0: Ezra 1, uh, verses 1 to 6. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfil the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, And has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God has moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbours assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the freewill offerings.
1: Okay. Can you hear me all? Okay. Put that in my pocket and uh, hopefully I'll remember to take it off at the end and don't walk out without it. Okay. A very warm welcome to the house of the Lord as we uh, come and worship in song and voice and we listen to his words and uh, let us come before our Lord in prayer. Okay dear heavenly father we do thank you for this opportunity to come to you today uh, to read your words and to listen to your voice and to do your will no matter where we are and no matter what we're doing and heavenly father we do thank you for your word that we can come to it every day and talk to you and listen to you So, Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'll open our eyes, ears and heart to your word. Uh, Help us to make your word the most important book in our household. And as we come to you today, Lord, we give you thanks that we have a a freedom unparalleled in this world, that we can come and worship you in song and voice um, without uh, worrying about... Uh, being arrested or being thrown into jail for knowing you so heavenly father help us to uh, not take this freedom for granted but to use it wisely to tell others the good news that jesus christ died for them as well so as we come to your word today we give you thanks the praise and honor and glory that is yours and we thank you all in jesus precious name amen Okay, I'm not sure whether this is uh, going to work. Where are you? Oh, don't you love tech, technology? Ah, there we are, the mouse does work. I, uh, I left uh, a mouse at uh, one of the other places I was preaching and uh, uh, the elder there rang up and said, uh, you've left your mouse here, what do I do with it? I said, oh, a bit of cheese each day, it'll be fine. Okay, Uh, I'm not, I'm nearly sure that you've heard this before but the cheque is in the mail. Uh, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. I'm a minister and I don't lie, you can trust me. It will last a lifetime, it will never wear out I wasn't speeding officer, honest. Uh, and one from uh, the kids. The puppy won't be any trouble, Mum. I promise I'll take care of it myself. <laughs> Where have we heard that? And you don't need it in writing. You have my personal guarantee. <laughs> and uh, one that we got from our kids. I have cleaned my teeth, Mum, honest. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to know who to believe and what to believe sadly many people and companies make promises that they can't and don't keep but there is someone you can trust and that is god his word is true and he keeps his promises god zealously protects the integrity of his word and wants us to have confidence in that word. And for that reason, those of us who believe in God have courage and hope and peace because we trust in God's promises. Now we today will witness how God restored and renewed his people back in the time of Ezra. Let me begin by saying that uh, Ezra is one of the historical books and uh, there is a handout and I think there's still some left up the back there and uh, it's a timeline of the books of the Bible. Both Ezra and Isaiah are highlighted on that handout. Perhaps many of you enjoy uh, studying history Others of you may find history to be boring. Uh, I know Sue loves her history. She's doing Roman history at the moment. This is interesting. Some people define history as the story of civilizations or that history is the recurring of the rise and fall of peoples and nations. All of this would be true, of course, because a lot of people do not take into consideration our God. History is the story of God's sovereignty over the nations to accomplish his eternal purpose and to show forth his eternal glory. History is truly the Lord's story of his redemptive work. The display of his judgment and the preservation of his people in every generation. History equals God over all. The history of the world spans thousands and thousands of years. The history of mankind is thousands and thousands of years old. We really don't know. Uh, I'm old but I wasn't there to see it happen but God was. What we do know and what scholars can tell us is from what is written. The oldest written language uh, are Sumerian and Egyptian, both starting about 3,100 BC. From these writings, we can tell what sort of people they were. And I'm afraid to say, we haven't changed much in all that time we still sin we were falling short of what god wanted us to be back then and we are still falling short today we may know more about everything and we may have more of everything but mankind is still not happy mankind is still looking in all the wrong places from eating drinking and being merry it still does not satisfy the need that we have inside us Uh, one of our catechisms that we have uh, it says life's goal and guide and it says number one what is the chief purpose for which man is made And of course the answer is the chief purpose for which man is made is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We sometimes forget that, that we can enjoy our God. So the history of mankind is God telling us the right way to live and mankind saying, no, I've got a better way to live. I want to do it my way. Now, even though we have sinned and fallen away from God, he has our restoration in mind right from the beginning. He said there will be a new heaven and a new earth, new bodies that not, will not wear out. And we will walk and talk with our God, just as it was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, if you have the handouts, uh, Ezra is just a small spot in the scheme of history. The book opens with the closing words of 2 Chronicles. It says, for God's, oh it doesn't say it, but for God's plan was not finished even then. Judah had rejected Jeremiah's warnings, but the prophet's words came true. God is at work in human history his purposes will be accomplished regardless of the nation's activities Jeremiah warned of coming judgment but he also promised restoration and the promise was fulfilled if you read uh, Jeremiah 29 10 from God's word to the king's word Cyrus fulfilled a prophecy given a century and a half before so from isaiah 44 when he's mentioned up to when isaiah, uh, up to when cyrus actually fulfilled that promise was 150 years before that god can even use a pagan ruler to accomplish his divine purposes when the words and actions of world leaders disturb you, just remember that God is still on his throne and has things in control. Now, back then at the, uh, in Ezra, not all the Jews of the captivity wanted to return to a desolate land. Some of those who did not go at least encouraged the others and helped with the expenses, as did some of their Babylonian neighbours. The trip was difficult, and life in the land was demanding because they were going to a place where there was nothing, and they had to start from scratch. However, the courageous Jews paid the price to do God's will. So let's look at Ezra's place in history About 2000 BC, God moved Abraham to Canaan. 500 years later, God freed the Jews from the Egyptian captivity. And 500 years later, David was the second king of Israel. Israel's best days were under the reign of David and his son Solomon. And then 70 years later, the kingdom divided into the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. 206 years later again, the northern kingdom was taken into Assyrian captivity. For 150 years, the southern kingdom, by the Lord's kind hand, withstood the assaults of of those that would bring them down. But finally, the southern kingdom had disobeyed the Lord pardoned their hearts and given way to the idolatrous ways of their neighbors. As you can see, God was very patient with Judah, giving them plenty of time to repent. Now, another 119 years later on, again, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took away about 10,000 of the brightest and smartest of the southern kingdom. Daniel was in that number the southern kingdom stood against Babylon so Nebuchadnezzar assaulted them until the city of Jerusalem was held hostage. Death filled its streets. 586 BC the southern kingdom was taken into Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem burning everything that could be burnt, tearing down walls and buildings. The temple was part of that destruction. The Jews had, held, uh, had long held to the temple as though it were a lucky charm. While the temple existed, they thought no one can conquer them. Their trust was in the temple in a superstitious way. The Lord was far from their eyes and their heart. Nebuchadnezzar ruled over all, except for that seven-year period where he learnt that he had to humble himself before the Lord God. Now, during the reign of his grandson, Babylon fell to the Persians under the leadership of Cyrus, and that's about 539 B.C., Now, 538, which is just one year later, King Cyrus's first year of reign, Cyrus's heart was stirred by the Lord to send the Jews back to Jerusalem. The 70-year exile under the Babylonian captivity ended. The promise of God that they would return and rebuild began to be unfolded which is mentioned in Jeremiah 29. It says, the Lord says, when the Babylonians 70 years are over, I will show show my concern for you and keep my promise to bring you back home. Now, I have an acoustic Bible, uh, which is very interesting. And in the handout, there's a, uh, a version of Ezra. And uh, there are 10 chapters in Ezra, and each chapter has a small sentence saying what each chapter is about, with the first letter of each chapter telling us about the whole book. So if you want to know what Ezra is about, it says temple work. Now they tell the story of the three stages of rebuilding according to God's promise. The first phase found in Ezra chapters one to six tells of the rebuilding of the temple under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, and Haggai and Zechariah, the prophets, starting in 538 BC. It was a comp- completed in 516 BC. The second phase is about 16, 6- years later in 458 BC under the leadership of Ezra his purpose was not for building buildings but rebuilding the spiritual life of Israel he called for reformation his leadership begins in Ezra 7 the third phase in this chronicle of Israel was when Nehemiah returned in 445 BC to rebuild the broken down walls of the city. And uh, if you've ever read that story, um, in it, uh, they're building with one hand and they have their sword or spear in the other hand as they were rebuilding the walls. His story is told in the book bearing his name. But let's uh, reread Ezra chapter 1. Verse 1 reads, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. Now in that first verse, we are immediately confronted with the prophetic basis for the unfolding details in Ezra. These details took place because God had planned to accomplish them, having told his prophets, who in turn passed it on to the people. Cyrus was moved to declare the proclamation of Ezra 1. This historical event is one of the best examples of fulfilled prophecy in the Bible. Now, there are three Bible texts. That are vital in understanding this event the first important text is from Jeremiah 25 and it was given to Jeremiah before the actual exile it says therefore the Lord Almighty says this because you have not listened to my words I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar King of Babylon declares the Lord And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. I will banish them from the sounds of joy and gladness. The voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord. And I will make it desolate forever. I will bring upon that land all the things I have spoken against it all that are written in this book and prophesied by jeremiah against all the nations they themselves will be enslaved by many nations and great kings i will repay them according to their deeds and the work of their hands now how scary is god's judgment this was before they even went into exile and god has told them what is going to happen god is sovereign over all what he says comes to pass god's judgment on israel through his servant nebuchadnezzar god places limits of the severity of their judgment ending in 70 years babylon would then face judgment for their sins and be finally destroyed the second important text is jeremiah 29 and it was given to Jeremiah during the exile. Now, How wonderful that God didn't leave them in despair, but gave them hope. And this is what the Lord says. When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which i carried you into exile what an awesome god what a sovereign god we have what he says he will do and it is done god promises that after 70 years they will return to judah they receive assurance that this is all according to god's plans therefore they have a future and the hope they are to seek the lord but they also have a responsibility as well they and we must repent and turn back to god he promises that he will be found by them and by us who seek him out are you seeking the lord here now today The final important text is Isaiah 44. Now keep in mind that Isaiah lived and prophesied 200 years before God's people would go into exile. Who would know that? Man? No, God. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord who made all things. Who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited. Of the towns of Judah, they shall be built. And of their ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be built. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Now, isn't that an amazing thing? 200 years before Cyrus's birth, God spoke through Isaiah the prophet saying that Cyrus would be the one to let the Jewish people return from captivity and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. From all of this, we see very clearly that God has the power to fulfill his promises. God promised that if they did not repent, they would be sent into captivity. God promised that that captivity would only be for 70 years. God promised that a king named Cyrus, who did not believe in God, would release them from captivity and that that king would command them to return and rebuild Jerusalem. All that God had said and promised came true in the exact time and exact way that God had said. God is the Lord and there is no other. If there's one truth that we can, must learn from this book, it is this, the Lord dictates history for his glory, not forgetting that God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus also made promises and they have come true. God is sovereign over the past, the present, and the future. The past is what we have learned from Ezra. Now the present, I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this story before, but I can tell you a story about Alan Canavan. You might have heard of him. He's a, a missionary with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators. And uh, this is about Alan and his radio. Alan and Faye, his wife, worked as translators on a small island at the bottom of Papua New Guinea called Two Bay, Island, an eight-hour trip by boat from the mainland. Alan and Faye had just been dropped off at the island and the boat left and would not be back for about a month. Uh, when Alan was checking their stock, uh, it was to find that the radio no longer worked, possibly the salt air. And it was their only means of communication in an emergency. So Alan, Fay and the islanders started to pray about what to do. Remembering that the boat won't be back for another month. The next morning, a yacht came into harbour and asked if they could get some fresh water. If you know Alan Canavan, he's a a cheeky young man. He said yes, only if he knew how to fix a radio. Well, not only could he fix a radio, but he was the head engineer for that make of radio and had spare parts on his yacht. God had sent this man six months before from England to be at the island The day after Alan and everyone had prayed about it what a sovereign God we have well the future God in the past through his prophets said our Savior would one day come and make all things new Jesus said one day he would come back and call all his people home to be with him in paradise Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So how does this affect the way that you and I look at God and history? Do you see history as the unfolding of God's decrees for the sake of his kingdom? And especially for the sake of his redeemed? That's the point that Ezra makes to us what does this do to our troubled times does this change the way that we consider the present-day issues is the lord any less at work for his redeemed people today than in earlier history do you find yourself fearing tomorrow or the next year or the next few years who ultimately controls history and the future the Lord does not control history for sport or for the fun of it but for the sake of his people whom he loves and whom he has redeemed through the blood of his son. Our God can be trusted. Our God is a God who keeps his word, who keeps his promises. No matter how you may have failed in the past, God gives you an opportunity For a new beginning and to help God make history from this day on. Amen.